You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you today for another episode about Nip Tuck and the final ever episode in the Oz Network's coverage of Nip Tuck. We are here for the series recap episode, the first time we've ever done one of these at least at the time of recording this, and uh, very excited to bring this to you. We've covered all 100 episodes, all six seasons, and now it's just time to sit back, relax, and go over everything that we've just covered, give us some final thoughts, give our top 10 moments, and talk about everything else in the middle and around the sides, because that's what we like to do here on the Oz Network. My name is Ben. And the line that divides the porn industry and the podcast industry is a thin one. We're both selling fantasy, aren't we? Are we? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name's Nick, and they should just be honest and rename the show shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick, delving into the minds of our listeners since 2017. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. We're here. I can't believe this. This is crazy. We've, this is the last like three weeks have just been, oh my God, we're here. I can't believe this. We're here. We're here. We literally are here. We are at the series finale recap, series recap episode. Um, something that is amazing to think. And I know I shared a little, uh, you know, line a couple of weeks ago about the fact that I remember traveling around New Zealand with you, having conversations about futures of podcasts and all this sort of stuff of what we could possibly do. And this is on our list, uh, something that, uh, you know, I think we both got a little bit excited about and um, we've done it. We've uh, we've achieved it. We've created a world record, the first podcast in the history of humanity to cover Nip Tuck from start <laughs> to end. So uh, we are up there with uh, all the great people in the world, Barack Obama, you know, uh, Albert Einstein, uh, George Washington, um, Hitler. Like, we are world <laughs> leaders in terms of what we've done in the history of this planet, Nick. We are, we are the greatest. Yeah, always the people I want to be named alongside there. It was, it was going so well. And then you just had to add that last one in there, but, uh, never mind. Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, um, it's fun to talk about a show that I don't think anybody's really delved into in this kind of detail before. It's um, Maybe that makes us crazy. I don't know. But it, it is nice to be talking about something that, you know, nobody else has really gone here before. And, and um, we get to be the first ones and probably the only ones, let's be honest, <laughs> to, to kind of be doing this. And, and that's really cool. You know, it, it's I, I feel, you know, I don't know if pride's the right word or, you know, just, you know, I'm just I'm stoked that we that we gave this a go. And, and, and it's worked out for us it really has it really has we are here and uh you know we kind of come into this episode not necessarily with a strict structure or anything along those lines you know there are some things obviously that we're going to talk about and want to know but um i think kind of mainly the main one really to begin with and i think it's you know a, a kind of an obvious one is having watched this and covered it and talked about it i mean has has your opinion changed of this show you know have you liked it better have you liked it worse you know do you think it makes it more entertaining to watch it this way you're sick of sitting there writing notes uh i mean kind of what is your final thoughts on uh, having rewatched this uh, this show again? Well, I think it is one of those things where you know I was quite honest about the fact that I had seen you know the, the first two to three 
seasons a couple of times um you know and then my kind of interest had had dropped off a little bit and you know i actually didn't even watch the last couple of seasons at the time i kind of remember getting them out on dvd a couple of years after they came out and catching up and you know so my knowledge base was really on those first few seasons and so i was quite quite excited to kind of get through those you know the later seasons and you know everybody talks about them being bad and they definitely the quality drops off and you always want a show to continue on top quality but that is isn't always the case and um what i think is really interesting is to go back and look at the show that's you know it's been off the air for you know almost 10 years at the time that we're we're doing these podcasts but um it kind of just really reminds me that this was a really quality show you know there were definitely some bad moments for sure but every show has bad moments you know even the ones that you think are amazing and, and near perfect have bad moments so i don't think we want to hold that too much against the show i think that the fundamentals of the show have kind of held the whole time i mean you think about other big shows or you know that kind of chop and change their main characters and we've had christian and sean this whole time you know can you imagine if we'd got to like season five and then you know christian dies and we get you know an all new kind of character alongside sean it just would have felt different so the same vibe kind of goes the whole way through the show which is really really cool um so for me it does hold up um you definitely when you're looking at it at a critical eye you see some some problems and you know i sometimes think the support cast behind those two guys isn't great um and you know i think We've, we've picked holes along the way and, and that's what we're here to do so that's totally fine but overall I think it, it kind of has lived up to my expectations really and um, it, it's definitely been worth the, worth the journey I would say Yeah, I, I for one has definitely enjoyed this because I think kind of this was I guess similar to maybe Third Watch and, and maybe not as much as Third Watch but it's kind of one of these shows that I've always loved and I've always managed to rewatch this show, you know, not once a year, maybe once every couple of years. It's always coming back on a rewatch schedule for me. And I've never really had many people in my life that I've watched it with or been able to discuss it. Um, so I, I think kind of the biggest thing for me was to, to really be able to get here and have someone to do this with and just really cover it. it was, it's been a lot of fun for me and something that I've really kind of appreciated. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that this rewatch has changed my opinion of this. I mean, I would probably still rank Nip Tuck in my top 10 favourite shows of all time. Um, and I think kind of what I hope that we've achieved here is that throughout covering this is that people can remember how good this show is. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that this show was fairly prominent for at least the first two or three seasons and, you know, it's a Golden Globe, you know, one Golden Globe for best drama on TV. And, you know, not every show does that. You know, a lot of iconic shows that are considered the best shows of all time doesn't necessarily did won that show. Uh, won that award, I should say. So, you know, for a large portion of history, this show was prominent. But it, it really is a show to me that has slipped into obscurity. And that I've found in covering this show when I've mentioned to people, like, hey, I'm covering Nip Tuck. They're like, oh, what's that show about? Or... Oh, I remember that show, you know, whatever happened to that or something like that. So it's definitely been, um, you know, fun in doing that and kind of really going through it. And, and one thing that, you know, I really have appreciated and not that this is something that I wouldn't have appreciated whether I was covering the show or not was getting the opportunity to speak to some of the people who were on this show. You know, I mean, we're, we're lucky in the fact that 
not every single person in this show has gone on to be an A-lister. We've, that's a kind of a running theme, isn't it? We've said so many of these people deserve to go on to things. And, you know, if we had gone back in history and covered ER from the beginning, you know, we're never going to get George Clooney on the show. We're never going to get, you know, Anthony Edwards. We're not going to get these big-name stars. Whereas, you know, we've been lucky enough to speak to John Hensley. We've been lucky enough to speak to Roma Mafia. You know, Robert Lasado. You know, it's it's kind of... We've, we've gotten some of the big players on this show here and... It's not something that we're still going to give up on. We we hope that, you know, we can maybe still land these interviews along the way. But um, it's definitely been, as a fan of this show, something that has really kind of opened it up. And to have someone like you, Nick, to bounce it back and forth in our opinions and really kind of debate this show, not necessarily debate it, but discuss it, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's made this rewatch, and definitely in future rewatches, you know, a, a, a bit more of an eye-opener. Well, I think probably we've been, you know, quite a good team to do this because I think we have had generally the same opinions, but at times we've had quite different opinions, and that's been quite fun. I think if we had just agreed on everything, that would have been quite boring. And I do like the fact that we have had differences along the way. I've really appreciated that. And yeah, I mean, you talk about things that have been really, really fun to be involved in. Like it has been really cool to, you know, be on a phone call with someone like John Hensley. You know, you're kind of watching him every week, and then all of a sudden you're talking to him, and it's like, holy shit, this is kind of crazy, you know. Um, so that's something that I've really, you know, it, it's been a real perk of doing this, and 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 that's been you know a heck of a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, it it, it is just a cool show to talk about. Um, it's I think we've talked a lot about it being a little bit underrated in terms of being a bit of a groundbreaker. Like it's talked about issues that other shows never went to, especially in that time period. And I think even some of the stuff that Nip Tuck talks about that wouldn't get covered on on shows today and you know that's i think a real testament to the writers and you know they've been brave enough to kind of try some stuff that that others wouldn't be so you know i think that that's that really speaks to you know to something special about the show that um you know because i think one of the things when i've talked to people about the show they go oh yeah i remember that one that was a weird show and they're not wrong <laughs> don't get me wrong it is a weird show but um i think it's weird for all the right reasons you know it, it is it, it, it kind of pushes the boundaries and and it, it's cool to be kind of talking about a show that isn't just a run-of-the-mill medical show or whatever it, it is actually one that is trying to stand out of the pack and, and be different and and ask some pretty searching questions of its viewers which is which is awesome now that's really cool which is funny actually you just mentioned there the words medical show which is kind of you know at the end of the day i guess if you've got to classify this show it kind of is what it is but i mean as we've discussed a lot throughout these episodes, we've never flat out said, this is a medical show. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the elements and everything along it. And, you know, I've got to mention Ryan Murphy and the fact that, you know, this was his baby. This was his kind of first real solo project he had. You know, Brad Falchuk obviously was heavily involved in a lot of it, but, um, you know, I think it's often regarded as purely being created by Ryan Murphy. And, I mean, we speak of A-listers coming from this show. It might necessarily be the actors, but, I mean... The man, the writer, the creator of this show is just gone on to huge, huge things, you know, through Glee and American Horror Story, you know, American Crime Story, just all the other shows in between, you know. Every, it, literally, it is at the point where every single time I see that Ryan Murphy has a new show, I will watch it no matter what. I mean, it could be about um, grass growing and I'm going to watch it, you know, like it, it doesn't matter. I mean, literally at the time of recording this, his, his latest show, Pose, which is a really hard show to kind of try to describe what it's about. And on paper, if I had read the synopsis for that show, no way would I have any interest in watching that show, but it's it's turning out to be quite a decent show. 
So, yeah, I mean, Ryan Murphy, for what he's gone on to establish, and the thing, too, that I kind of appreciate, whenever you sort of read about Ryan Murphy, and, you know, you kind of have that introduction, like, best known for, and, you know, it's always Glee, it's always American Horror Story, but they still do kind of put in Nip Tuck there, which I kind of appreciate as well. Um, and I think kind of lumped alongside that is... Is the fact that you look at somewhere like FX, which is maybe not something we've talked about too much because, you know, being in Australia and New Zealand, FX really isn't a part of our TV options. But, you know, FX went on really to become its, in its own right, you know, sort of that style of cable to kind of not be a, a big hitter in the world of, of original television to kind of be there. And, and it wasn't, Nip Tuck wasn't the first, I believe, if it was Rescue Me, I think maybe, or there was another show on FX, if I'm not mistaken, that I'm, I'm not thinking off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, it's, it's out there now with HBO and kind of Showtime as, as one of these major networks that people see for content in this golden age of television. Yeah, I think it is something that we because we're a little bit removed from that, and um, you know, at the time, I think was was FX like quite a fledgling kind of um, network at the time that yeah. that Nip Tuck started. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I, it kind of feels like it. It maybe started something. So you know, I think there's a lot of people taking risks with this show, um, and you know, like it, it's really cool for me that they've kind of paid off. You know, I, I um, I'm glad for them that it did, and you know, I'm glad that Nip Tuck can kind of be the vehicle where things did pay off because. Um, you know, it may not get the credit it's due for being a great show. So if it's something that's actually spawned, you know, a network or maybe that's going a bit far, but you know, it, it has actually um, been a, a, a key building block in, in that show, that network getting off the ground and being able to produce some kind of edgy content, then, then that's cool. And I, I, I will just correct myself and say I got it around the wrong way. I thought the shield came afterwards, but it was the shield, which was its kind of first big one, then Nip Tuck, right. then Rescue Me. Uh, and then obviously, right. you know, shows, you know, Sons of Anarchy that have sort of come about afterwards. Um, you know, I guess kind of maybe one of the, the main ones there. Damages was a show that I absolutely loved, which I would love to cover on the show one day. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, of course, Atlanta, American Horror Story, American Crime Story, um, you know, Feud, Fargo, it's reboot. You know, so many things that, as we just kind of said, has really kind of established FX as, as a real leader uh, of, of cable, I guess, along the way. Um, but I think kind of, you know, some just some loose things to talk about, and maybe it's a final one. Here we go with, with Sean and Christian and, you know, sort of the main cast that was built across the way. And, I mean, we're not necessarily going to do what we do in each season and like, hey, what did you think of this? What did you think of that? But... I mean, just obviously you mentioned it, that it's a rarity that we kind of have a show really stick to its principal cast, six seasons, and, and like, the main four. Uh, five. Let, let's love, let's lump Liz in there just because she wasn't main cast in season one, but she may as well have been. I'm not going to put Kimber in there just because she was never intended to be a major character. She just kind of turned into one. Um... But I mean, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, through the other shows that we're covering on this, on the Oz Network, in terms of, you know, we always lump it in, of course, Nip Tuck, Third Watch, and Lost. You know, you look at Lost. It's an ensemble cast, which, yeah, okay, you would argue Matthew Fox, Evangeline Lilly, Josh Holloway, they're kind of there from the beginning, and there are others. I know I'm not going through all of them, but, you know, you, everyone on Lost kind of is very interchangeable in that. Uh, you know, Third Watch, similar thing. Kind of by the end of it, you've really got like Molly Price, Jason Wiles, Michael Beach, Anthony Rivervar, sort of your only main ones that are there. Which again, you're going to argue like, hey, well, this is the thing with Nip Tuck. But Lost and Third Watch are much more ensemble shows than Nip Tuck is. Um, and particularly then out of our main five, 
the focus is on the two. Because, again, to quote the great Nick Chester from the get-go, this show essentially is just a heterosexual love story between two men. Um, so, yeah. And my grand point in this is, how do we end up? Are we ending with hashtag Team Christian or hashtag Team Sean? I think that's a really hard question because I think it all depends on what you're trying to get out of the show. I think if you're coming here for something of kind of like an escapist hour of TV where you just kind of watch it and, and you know, you, you're not particularly attuned to what's happening. You're just there to kind of, you know, enjoy the action and, and, and see Christian, you know, get his rocks off basically. Then, um, yeah, obviously you're going to enjoy the Christian stuff. I think if you're looking for, you know, a kind of deeper story about, you know, somebody who's conflicted and going through something of a midlife crisis, then potentially you're going to enjoy more of, of what you get from Sean. Um, I think for most of us who, you know, are kind of normal people living normal more lives i think sean is probably the one that we are going to gravitate towards you know he's he's kind of the guy that is living this life that's he's not always happy with and you know i think a lot of us can probably relate to that at times that you know we have moments in our lives that we really struggle with and um you know and and sean even for you know being in a great position of being a plastic surgeon has some kind of what feel like quite real problems that we can all identify with so i think it just depends on kind of what you're in the mood for really i mean um in terms of the overall arc of the story i I don't really feel like christian really has a huge arc you know um right at the end obviously he kind of realizes that he needs to find his own way without sean and so that's his arc, but that's really comes very late in the show. Whereas I think Sean, even though it kind of gets buried from time to time, I think the overall story is always there for him, which is, you know, he wants his work to make a difference in people's lives. He doesn't want to just be this guy who's doing boob jobs for his entire life. He actually wants to do something good with his skills. So, um, you know, and I think we get a final resolution on that at the end. So um, to me, I think it is Sean's show. Um, and Christian's just there to provide not exactly just comic relief. He is there for more than that. But I think ultimately this is the, the, the Sean McNamara show with, with Christian there, you know, it kind of feels like, like Sean is the, is the main person I think that we are kind of watching this show through. And I can't disagree with what you say. I'm still probably going to end up saying I'm still team Christian just because I love the guy so much. Um, and I mean, I still, and this is kind of more of a quote I think I stole of a former Oslet of Survivor Oz, um, Kate, who, who I remember having a conversation with her about Nick Tuck and her fandom of this, and very sad that sadly we couldn't uh, ever get her on to kind of discuss this show, but she kind of labelled Christian Troy as one of the most, you know, complex characters in the history of TV, which, you know, I mean, that might be a bit of a stretch, but I mean, I can definitely see an argument there, like kind of the layers of him and everything that we got along the way. So, but I mean, I think ultimately, and I think we both would agree with this, that, you know, as much as it might ultimately end up being the Sean show with what you said, like these two can't work without each other. And no, Julie McMahon, Dylan Walsh, we'll say it again. Like why have these two just not gone on to bigger and better things? I mean, you know, Julie McMahon, obviously, as we know, has kind of dabbled here and there with a few things and really just, hasn't been prominently in anything that's sort of majorly out there. I'm not saying he hasn't worked. Of course he's worked. But, um, you know, I mean, the guy still looks amazing. Uh, swinging Safari sort of recently, which I, I believe you probably still haven't seen. Nick, I'll have to get you a copy of it. Uh, you know, he, the guy looks exactly the same. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Dylan Walsh obviously has kind of had a pilot here and there and a guest star here and there. And he was in that, what, that Remember Me, whatever the hell it was with Poppy Montgomery and whatever. But like, again, just not going on to anything else really. So it's sad, but, um, 
you know, we, we still hold hope, don't we? I mean, look at some of these other actors who are kind of popping up and things and getting a second shot at life, you know? I mean, how many times does John Travolta get a second shot at life, for goodness sakes? Yeah, I think that there's, you know, I can see these guys being somebody that comes back and, you know, I, I can totally see these guys being like a Marvel villain or something like that. You know, I think they've kind of got the, and I think probably that's one of the features of Nip Tuck that we've never really kind of delved into that it, it, it is at times quite outlandish and, and comic booky and so, you know, for me, I, it, it wouldn't at all surprise me to see, you know, you could, and obviously we've already seen that with Christian, I guess, with the Doctor Doom thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, these these are guys that you could see in a, in a big blockbuster, no problems. So it's really a surprise to me that we've never really gone down that road. Um, I'm sure there's legitimate reasons why these guys haven't gone on to bigger and better things. There's, um, you know, there has to be more to it than they just haven't worked out because I think we've obviously really noted that these guys can act very, very well. So there's obviously more to that story than, than we know about, but um, it is, it's always disappointing. I always do feel a little bit sad because I think these guys have, have got so much more to offer. A couple of things to just sort of go about here in regards to sort of other people and, and maybe even focusing some of the directors and writers as well. Cause you know, I feel like we obviously talking a lot about the actors and not necessarily some of the, uh, the behind the scenes people, but I mean, in total over six seasons, we had nine, people credited as main cast on this show and uh, clearly that includes our top two main build ones and you know as we just kind of alluded to with our top five our main five you know obviously john hensley's matt uh Jordan, julia and uh you know uh roman mafia is liz and i mean kind of all very important in the storyline julia obviously kind of just fades away into obscurity i guess kind of post season five or even sort of post first quarter of season five you might even argue um and Matt kind of comes and goes, hashtag poor Matt along the way. But and and Liz obviously too. You know she's there. She's sometimes involved in the story. Sometimes she's not. But she kind of has a good conclusion. Um, and sort of outside of those ones, you know, our our main sort of bill ones. I've gone probably about a hundred episodes without saying a name. I swore I never would say a name ever again. But I feel we kind of have to say a name here. It's the only time I'll do it, people. Here it is. I'm breaking the streak. Our unforgettable season one main cast member of no, I can't do it. Uh, that psychologist lady. D- uh, <laughs> and then we also, of course, had uh, Kelly Carlson joining in season three as a main cast member after two seasons as being a guest star, uh, as Kimba, of course, Jessalyn Gilsig did have one solitary season as a main star as Gina, but arguably one of the best uh, recurring characters on this show. And, of course, Quinton Bruno Campos, who uh, was in one or two episodes in season two, at least one, and main cast member season three, and clearly a, a major standing point there. Now, you can rank him if you want to. Just maybe tell me your favourite, least favourite. I don't know. Discuss how you want to hear. I mean, I'll just say, obviously, I'm a huge, huge Gina fan. Always have been. Always will be. I love Kimber as well. I think maybe Kim has really improved a lot. A, a lot, sort of through this rewatch, to really talk about her character and kind of discuss it and really go over some things there. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate her a lot more than I ever did. Um, Matt, obviously you and I are both huge fanboys of him. Talking to John Hensley made it a lot better going into a lot of kind of the depth of his character and some behind the scenes stuff, which, you know, we never would have known unless we had gotten him on the show. And, uh, and I should mention Roman Mafia, of course, was on the show too and kind of went into some of that as well. Um, Quinton, I think kind of, as we discovered, his character just kind of randomly got hated after for no reason. And then ultimately being the carver, you know, one of the, the key elements of, of sort of, changing this show up in that middle part of the the season's run and 
We had a wasted, absolutely pointless main cast member in season one, and it pains me to say that Michelle was never considered as a main cast member, um, considering that frickin' that psychologist was, but yeah. Is that Amazing Grace that you're talking about? I don't know who, I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> I, I've never heard that name before. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I think for me it's, um, you know, those kind of main characters outside of, of our main two, obviously. I think, you know, Matt's a, Matt's a key one because he ties those two guys together. He's the thing that they kind of always have to come back to because he, you know, they have a shared history with them. Um, so, yeah, I think that Matt's probably the most important one out of all of them. Um, but, you know, like, obviously I think, you know, we probably have been harsher than we, we really intended to be in terms of the Julia stuff. I think, you know, Julia's been an important character. I think we've, I think I have just always felt like they never really kind of got to grips with what her story would be. So it, it always just felt like, you know, there was potential there, but it just, it never really played out in the way that we kind of hoped it would. Um, so yeah, even though I really like that character, I, you know, I, I think we just never quite got the full, potential there um and, and and on the flip side i think we got way more than we probably expected with with um kimby and i think that was a, a good story and and liz to be fair too i mean i was i think i've never been the hugest liz fan but i think in the end i think she actually works really really well so they find something for her to do and i think probably so liz is kind of like the almost like the anti-julia you know julia starts off as being quite an integral part of the show and then just kind of fades away into nothing whereas um, Liz kind of is the opposite, you know, she actually becomes this really critical point of the show and obviously kind of the worst storyline in the show revolves around her. So I think we need to remember that, you know, um, Roman Mafia did the very best she could with what was a, you know, not a great storyline. So I think we, you know, we should always just try and remember to give her credit there because I think that, you know, she's done really, really well. Um, and some pretty trying circumstances there. Yeah. No, and I, I would agree with that. And I guess just before I, um, Maybe talk about some of the main sort of guests. Excuse me, I'm just clearing my throat. This is uh, perfect that it's happened in our final episode. Um, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for statistics, and um, just for those playing at home in terms of episode count, I know we've kind of alluded to this in some of the other episodes, but just on our main sort of cast is credited cast. Now, the only two people to appear in every single episode was uh, Sean and Christian, Dylan Walsh and Julian McMahon. Julian McMahon are the only ones appearing appear in every single episode. Um, and outside of that, I mean, John Hensley and Jolly Richardson both credited in 100 episodes. But, I mean, I, ha- look, I, I haven't had the time to go through and kind of count how many Matt and Julia actually appear in. But if you kind of want that, if you head to IMDb and then the tuck page and you click on full cast and crew, scroll down on the 100 episodes mark, and every time it says credit only, obviously that means they didn't appear in that episode. But, I mean, outside of that... Um, Liz, uh, Roma Mafia, uh, I mean, only four episodes she wasn't credited in, uh, saying he 96 episodes in total. Again, didn't necessarily appear in all of those. Should really mention Nurse Linda, 96 episodes she appeared yeah, in. Yeah. Which she we appeared. We always forget about Nurse. Yeah, she appeared in those episodes. So outside of Christian and Sean, Nurse Linda actually appeared in the most episodes of Nip Tuck, believe it or not. And I mean, Linda Klein, uh, you know, she's not just a Nip Tuck person. She, she's a real nurse who has obviously appeared in a lot of medical shows as a consultant and kind of, I guess she's just well known enough that she gets speaking roles and everything. I mean, I hate Grey's Anatomy, 
Um, but she has been involved in 307 episodes of the show. So, I mean, obviously she was very much prominently, still is. She's a producer, supervising producer, medical producer. Uh, you know, she's been on the show. So there's that. And, uh, even back to the days of Chicago Hope. So, you know, Linda Klein, massive props to her. Whether or not, you know, you like her character or not. Uh, you know, the, her involvement on this show is, is second to none. But, uh, yeah, outside the main cast, I mean, Kelly Carlson appeared in a total of 82 episodes. And then it's a big gap down to Jessalyn Gilsig, 17 episodes. Bruno Campos was in 16 episodes. A certain Psychologist was in 12 episodes. The same amount as Sana Lathan, as Michelle Landau. And only one of them was credited as a main cast member. Um, which is ridiculous. So that's kind of your, your final. You're going to have to let this go at some point, Ben. You, no. it, it, it's done to, it's done to consume you. Until you, you she need comes to on the show, Nick. Um, I'll let it go then. And then I'll suck up to her, no doubt, and say she's the greatest thing ever in the history of Nip Tuck. Um, <laughs> but just also, I mean, look, we've got a heap of side people here that we can talk about. I'm not going to name them all. Just give me your standouts and look, Hashtag Team Annie. I've, I've fought for this. <laughs> like she's appeared in all six seasons somewhere. She's locked in a cupboard somewhere afterwards. Uh, I don't know where she is. Uh, and Kelsey Batlin uh, did appear in 36 episodes. So she, outside of Linda, uh, she is the most appearances out of any character who was never main cast. And obviously I, I had the honour to briefly exchange a message with her on Instagram. Uh, to which she read my reply and never responded afterwards, wanting to come on this show. So who knows? Maybe that will happen one day. But uh, yeah, never went on to anything else, Kelsey Battlin. She's living a life. She's grown up to be a very beautiful young lady and uh, looks like she's having a fantastic life out there. Um, but yeah, in terms of sort of the other ones, I'm just going to go through here in terms of episode count. Just so maybe I'll give you a quick few here, of course, uh, non-build ones. Michelle, Santa Lathan, 12 episodes. How? She was never main build. And again, we talked about this in season four, but it's a shame. Uh, Annalie McCord, of course, as Eden was in 12 episodes. Uh, Josea Henry as Wilbur was in 12 episodes. Famke Jansen as Ava Moore in 11 episodes. And I'll just go down to you to the 10 episode one. So Erica Norton, aka Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, Olivia Lord, Portia De La Rossi. I always say De La Rossi. De Rossi. Eric, uh, Robert Lasado, uh, and Eli Jane as model. Appeared in 10 episodes. Who that is, is anyone's best guess. Um, Ava for me wins it. Of course she does. Um, so that's to me, but yeah, obviously Escobar's up there as well. I think kind of, you know, we were lucky enough to have Robert Lasado on the show. Um, just such an amazing character. And, you know, we talked about in season six, obviously, you know, even dead, he comes back and we're not sick of it. Same with Ava comes back after four seasons gap. But, uh, yeah, and look, Season four's ended up as my number one season, and Santa Lathan, Michelle, just a fantastic character, and would have really appreciated had she gotten more credit than she ultimately ever did on the show. Yeah, I think I would agree with them. I think kind of um, Ava, Ava, and, and um, Escobar are probably the two the two big ones for me, and then Michelle as well. Um, the only other one I'd probably add to that is Eden. You know, I just um, I was really kind of captivated by that Eden story, and just you know, I'm still annoyed that it kind of just petered out into nothing. I wish they had kind of found a way to to kind of make that a, a more interesting and integrated story with the the kind of season five storyline that she kind of just disappears is, is really disappointing. It would have been really cool if we had got something more from her going forwards. But, you know, it, it is what it is. There's, there's nothing we can do about that. We've just got to kind of live with it. 
but uh, yeah, I just see a, a real missed opportunity to kind of, um, you know, have have Eden as a, a more integrated part of the the final. Um, you know, she could have even been in season six, so it's a little bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, those are probably my favourites, really. Yeah, no, I, it's it's hard not to agree with those. Um, now, just as I said, just a brief mention on some of the the writing, you know, the the the, the writers, <laughs> the directors, people involved in the behind the scenes, and. Uh, Director, and this is, this is not including sort of, uh, everything to do with Ryan Murphy. I mean, he is credited as directing eight episodes, but some other prominent ones, we had, uh, Michael M. Robin directed 12 episodes, Eli Keen 11 episodes, Charles Hayde, of course, was Reefer. Uh, he did eight episodes himself, and, you know, plenty of others here did multiple episodes. Tate Donovan's a standout there for me, of course. He's, a lot of people would know him as an actor. Eric Stoltz, I don't know if we really talked about him directing an episode. He's a decently well-known name. And in the writing credits, um, if I've done my quick little summary here on Ryan Murphy, I believe 26 episodes he's written, which would be the most... So a quarter of the episodes written by him. That's actually a fair chunk if you think about it. Uh, but the, the other sort of main showrunner, one of the executive producers and one of Ryan Murphy's, uh, you know, colleagues of, you know, long, long collaboration, Brad Fulchuk, uh, he's also done 18, Linny Green, 18, Richard Levine, 18, and Jennifer Salt, 18. All names that we've uh, mentioned a lot. And this is a, obviously a, a difficult question to say, like, who's your favorite writer? Uh, cause I, I guess we kind of didn't really go over it and say, oh, this is a typical Richard Levine episode. But I mean, <laughs> I think kind of along the way there that you look at Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, Lenny Green, Lynn Green, Richard Levine, and Jennifer Salt. Kind of the majority of episodes there, which you know they all had their hits, they all had their misses. We even did have one episode there, didn't we, by Ryan Murphy? That were like, why was this episode written by Ryan Murphy? It sucks. But I think kind of <clears> that does contribute to a lot of the quality of the show, and that's something maybe we haven't really mentioned a lot. The quality of the show, for the most part, does really remain fairly similar with some dips here and there so props to the writing staff i think well i think probably as we talked about a lot is that the episodes that i think we both really enjoyed were the ones where you know you had this main character for the episode but then you also had um you know what was going on with the main cast and there was a theme that kind of connected the two and you know it might be something about loyalty or it might be you know feelings of guilt or whatever it might be and and those were always my favorites i thought that those were the ones that worked best um that weren't just you know a collection of scenes put together but they were actually connecting it through you know a coherent theme and so those are the ones that i always kind of gravitate to as as being good episodes um and ones that i I kind of want to um kind of go back and watch really yeah no i would definitely agree with that now just touching on to uh again a broad open question what were the, i guess the the main turning points in terms of storylines on this show you know do you, do you feel as though there's one storyline that really set the the groundwork for this show i mean it's a difficult one to answer because each season i guess had their own unique storyline but uh was there something that you felt was maybe the main precursor for changing one character all the characters uh, I mean, you know, just throwing a few out there that I can think of the top of my head. Obviously, the move from Miami to Los Angeles was a big moment that kind of shifted things, and many would argue the quality of this show. Um, you know, even something as small as like Escobar's character kind of across the course of, you know, what, three seasons technically, because he didn't appear in season three, kind of changed the course of a lot of things too, and kind of, you know, Sean getting a bit more aggravated and kind of, you know, willing to pull a gun and kind of things like that and made him a lot more aggressive and we talked a lot about Sean's aggression you know did did that exist pre-Escobar you know that's something we didn't really sort of look at so 
I mean, any other sort of ones that you think kind of shaped this show? Oh, I think for me, totally, it's the um, who's Matt's parents because I, you know, Matt's father because I think that um, you know that kind of that was kind of the not exactly the cliffhanger, but it was the thing that was kind of um, you know causing intrigue at the the end of season one. It's then a big part of season two, and you know we've obviously um, lavished a lot of praise on season two for a reason. Um, but I also think that it is something that you know, as I think we talked about a little bit earlier on with with Matt and him being an important character, is that I think it actually it it, it kind of sets up a reason for these two guys to always be connected because they're always going to be worried about Matt and trying to do what's right for Matt because um, ultimately they both have a stake invested there and um, that's something that's always going to kind of turn and and, and have an impact on the show is, is kind of these guys and, and their differing ways of, of being a parent to Matt. So I think he's a really, really important part of the show and I think also, you know, we just get a lot of mileage out of the drama. You know, we, we talked a lot about in that season two trying to decide which scenes we liked um, around, you know, the reveal of Matt's actual father because there were so many good ones. Um, and, you know, I think that that's a real mark of the show is, is um, that storyline. It kind of just sets us up, I think. And it's not the most, you know, kind of obviously it becomes a bit of a running joke more than anything else, but it is still a really, really important part of the show. Might be reflected in our uh, top 10. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, one thing too quickly I should just really lump in, just briefly. I mean, this show was renowned for getting some pretty big-name guest stars in it as well. You know, particularly season four really kind of shone a light shone a light on that. And, uh, you know, I think we established we had a couple who went on to win Academy Awards um, and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, look, I'm not going to go through the list. We know who they are. Any standout, you know, big-name celebrity guests that kind of came in to you that you appreciated or surprised that they appeared in Niptark or anything along those lines? Well, I think we talked about Bradley Cooper being a bit of a standout for a while. You know, it's just that, that kind of unexpected um, cameo, you know, of this guy who, you know, at the time was probably not a massive name, but has gone on to become a really huge name in Hollywood. And um, here he is kind of you know, doing Bradley Cooper things. You know, he just feels like it, it's kind of, you know, the, the the kind of character that we've seen in things like The Wedding Crashes and, and things like that. It, it was kind of very much the, the Bradley Cooper mold. So I really like that. I, you know, I know that the, the character, the actual story was a bit of a throwaway, but I really enjoyed the, the Brooke Shield stuff as well. That was another one that I really liked. So I think there's a couple of really good ones there. Um, I'm probably missing some some really important ones. But, um, yeah, I think those, those are two that kind of always stand out to me as being really good. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely, I think, really agree i really agree i don't know what i'm trying to say there um so yeah for sure but uh one also that i think is mentionable and maybe you just slipped the name it's easy one jk simmons of course obviously was in an episode mm-hmm. and uh you know he's yeah. gone on to, to huge things really since um we had uh oh is it octavia spencer the uh well she won the oscar for precious wasn't it was it precious that she won it yeah. for um yeah i mean I might be getting that wrong, but yeah, like she did want to win an Oscar at least, but you know, plenty that have kind of gone on. Bradley Cooper, I think maybe might be the ultimate star kind of all that, you know, really, really A-list name. And I was talking to somebody the other day about Bradley Cooper and they were like, he was in Nip Tuck, really? Oh, I want to go back and watch that. So, you know, little, little things like that, I think. Um, now, I mean, we're going to get into some, some episode things really kind of with our, our ratings and obviously our, 
our season rankings as well. But, I mean, kind of a broad question again here too, and I think it might be an interesting thing to sort of discuss, and this might not be such a relevant question when it comes to some of our shows. You know, when it comes to talking about loss, this might be more of a relevant question, or should we ever cover Breaking Bad, which we might talk a little bit about at the end of this uh, episode. Is there a legacy to Nip Tuck? Do you feel as though that... It left any form of legacy moving forward. I know you kind of touched on it before about kind of some things that were a bit groundbreaking for the time, but do you feel that this really has has landed a legacy out there for for television and the entertainment industry? Well, I mean, it's a funny question because I think it was um, I think it was groundbreaking in a couple of places. I think in terms of raising some social issues, in terms of you know a lot of the stuff we saw from kind of talking about suicide and tr- and transgender issues and um, lots of kind of quite touchy taboo subjects. It kind of went there when a lot of other shows weren't going there at the time. I think. Um, but I also think the other, the other thing that we kind of forget as well, because, you know, there was just, it was in the middle of a slew of kind of medical shows and things like that, but it actually kind of, it, it showed, you know, medical shows and, and surgeries and, and all its kind of, um, hideousness and, and, you know, like it, it, no, no punches were pulled and kind of showing just how horrible surgeries really are and, you know, talking about the, the after effects of having the, fa- you know, a facelift and, and things like that. I think that was, um, a really successful part of the show that, um, I, you know, I really liked that. I thought that was really, really good. I think one thing too, which I know we've mentioned before, I haven't really talked about, and in no way are we going to like go, oh, it's a spin-off, we've got to cover it afterwards. I mean, it did sort of spawn its own reality show, Dr. 90210, which was very much based on Nip Tuck, and, you know, plastic surgery, I think, kind of became a bit of a talking point during this peak, and, you know, one thing, obviously, that we've mentioned a lot, and, you know, I think it's important is, Ryan Murphy's always said that the bulk of these surgeries were based on real life surgeries which kind of you know definitely make it a lot more interesting and one thing too which i've actually tried to find a version with subtitles at least or an english dub there is a there was a colombian version done of nip tuck uh called mentoras perfectas uh which during my research i think ran for about two seasons and kind of there are some clips on youtube which um you know, are all in Spanish, but like you can kind of get the gist that this is freaking Nip Tuck. Um, and they did 58 episodes of it. So that's something that would be fun to kind of track down. It's kind of like, you know, I know they've done an Indian version of 24, which I caught one time late at night on uh, an Australian TV channel here. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that we know a lot about how America will sort of do, you know, an American version of a, a, a show from another country to, to varying degrees of success. But, I always kind of like it when other countries, and not necessarily like your Australia's, your Canada's, and New Zealanders, you know, sort of English-speaking countries, will take a format and do it, and not a reality show, if that makes sense. So there you go, Nick. Maybe we can track down Minutras Perfectas. I'll just learn Spanish, and we can then cover it. <laughs> that feels like a very long-term project. Yeah. <laughs> Our next rewatch involves us learning another language. Wait, eight to ten years, and then we will eventually uh, eventually start it. Now, just quickly before I go through some of the episodes and some of the rankings and everything... um just just touching on our we did this end of last week obviously our final season rankings and do you have any final thoughts on changing these and kind of uh you know to recap your rankings from 1 to 6 you went season 2 season 4 season 1 season 5 season 3 season 6 uh any last minute changes you feel you want to do here before you lock these in permanently 
No, I think, uh, you know, I think that they feel pretty natural to me. I mean, um, the ones in the middle feel, it's actually funny because it does almost feel like we've got three tiers. Like I really struggle between two and four because I think you've got the iconic season and then you've got the one that maybe potentially is a slightly better quality season. So what do you put up as being more important? Is it, you know, that, that, that one that kind of everybody remembers or the one that is actually really, really good and you wish people remember? Um, so that's kind of the two and four thing. I, and then I think the next layer down is I think um, you've kind of got uh, what have I got underneath that one and one and five, and you know I think one's obviously you know definitely a big cut above that, but I think five is actually quite an underrated season. Um, you know it's the one that kind of everybody talks about being crap, and I think that's mostly due to the second half of that. You know I think the first half of season five is actually really solid and um, it's fresh and it's trying new things, and, and you know you obviously you can say the same for season one because it, obviously it's trying new things. It's a brand new show, so I think there is some parallels there. And then you know the last two I think are. Um, it, it, it just it, they've got some really good moments, but ultimately there's um, a lot of rubbish in them, and um, you know trying to to kind of you know get your feelings around around that stuff is sometimes quite difficult. Um, and yeah, so I think it was I, I kind of battled between three and six really, but I'm happy to kind of lock them in as they are. I think that 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 feels pretty natural to me. Well, I mean, you and I ended up only with two of them at the same. That was, we both had season one at number three and season six at last. But, uh, so mine was season four, season two, season one, season three, season five, season six. And, um, yeah, I like that tiered system you say. I mean, it, it still surprised me looking at this that I have four above two, but, uh, you know, that's, we've gone over that plenty of times. I think it's a fair enough level. I, I maybe would have mine three tiers as, Four and two as kind of your top tier, one, three, and five as your middle tier, and six as your bottom tier. So that would be the only difference that I would kind of have there. One probably being slightly ahead, you know, in that tiered category. Um, but yeah, three and five, you know, there's that sort of bit there for me. One thing actually before I get, I keep saying this, before we get to the ratings, uh, it was a key thing that I know we sort of teased in, in regards to this, and I think this is a good discussion point considering how television works. Uh, in this day and age, reboot is a word that is always a, a possibility. Um, you know, we, we sort of alluded, sort of mentioned this maybe to, uh, you know, to a couple of actors we've had on the show. Um, and obviously we know probably out of the three shows we're covering, this is the middle one, you know, uh, of the chances. Lost, it's always been talked about being re- rebooted. This one's, I don't think it's ever been talked about maybe here and there. I think the, you said there was a slight chance of an all-female one. And third watch, there's no way in hell that will ever get rebooted um, or brought back. But I'll just say, like, uh, it's it's so tricky with these shows because particularly Nip Tuck and Third Watch, because they're more close personally to me. I'm not saying I don't love Lost. I'm obviously covering it. But, you know, Noah's sort of the super fanboy in that one. I'm kind of, you know, haven't been as closely attached to it as he has. And Lost will come back one day. It will. Um, But I kind of just... I don't know how I feel about this ever coming back because there's that fanboy part of you that's like, yeah, absolutely, I'd love to see this come back. Oh, my God, I'd be so excited. But at the same time, it's just like what can we do? Like, why do we want this to come back? It's, I mean, it's it's like when they announced Jurassic World, exactly the same thought process went through my head. When they announced Star Wars sequels, exactly the same process goes through your head. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I can't give a definitive yes, I would love to see it because as much as I would, I don't want them to bring this back and it just be rubbish because realistically, out of all the shows they've ever brought back in this day and age of bringing shows back, 
through the ones that I have at least watched and paid attention to, the only one that I've ever gone, hey, this is pretty much on par as what it used to be, if not maybe slightly better than some of the later seasons, was Will and Grace. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of my... And it's a standard... It's a sitcom, so it's not really that hard, I guess, to replicate what it had before. So, I don't know. That's my answer. That's my very neutral answer. I'd like to see it, but I'd also be scared about it coming back at the same time, too. Yeah, and you're right. It's kind of one of those things that you always talk about, and, um, you know, it's... um, you never quite know what's going to happen. And I think probably the the one thing that might support this eventually coming back is that, as we've talked about, is that none of these actors have gone on to something else. So there's that potential for them because, you know, let's face it, they're not doing something else really important at the moment. So I think probably the pitch would have to be right for me. Um, I think if you if you've got a good idea um, behind it, then potentially the, I'm, I'm always open to it. I sometimes think that, you know, you, you're best to kind of leave some things behind you don't need to kind of be rebooting everything it's um it's just something that's kind of be a bit of a spin-off and i'm not sure it's it's totally something that has a lot of support you know i don't know it feels like you know we like the show and it felt like it was definitely very popular for a moment you know kind of that season two season three period um but i'm not sure that there's a lot of people screaming out for oh god what i want to see back is is nip tuck you know we've already talked about you know a lot of people go oh that show was really weird so you know the idea that we might need um, to see the show back again is, is probably a little bit, you know, I, I'm not sure that most people would need it. So I'm just kind of looking at this thing that was, you know, this is a couple of years ago and it's basically, you know, Ryan Murphy, um, he's basically saying something along the lines of um, he would consider a remake, but it would need one major change. Um, and, you know, he's open to the idea, um, but he would like to do it with two women in the lead role, saying, I would get cool writers to do it, and I think that they could redo the show now with two women. I love the weird case of the week stuff that was 99% based on real life. I miss that. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, bringing them back as women, I think, is... is to me, I think is just kind of cashing in on something that's you know a bit popular in the in the current zeitgeist. I I don't understand why you would need women for the show, and I'm sure our female listeners will probably scream at me for that. But I, I'm not sure what the kind of attraction would be there to just bring the show back. You know, it's not like you would get anything really fresh from that idea. I don't think that the problem was the gender of the two main characters. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure that I agree with that. So I think probably for me it would be the pitch, and I think you could potentially. Like I kind of thought about this a little bit and maybe the pitches you kind of start with, you know, like you imagine kind of Sean's out there in Africa or whatever, like doing these things and suddenly kind of, you know, he looks up from whatever he's doing and, and Christian's kind of bursts through the door and he says, you know, something's wrong with Matt and I need your help. And, and that's kind of like the, the kind of cold open. And then we kind of get Sean dragged back to the, the States to kind of help his son. And, um, you know, and that leads to whatever, you know, might happen that keeps him back in America. And, and all of a sudden we have a reboot, but it just doesn't feel like there's a good story. I think one of the problems we had with season six is that we just, didn't have a lot of good storytelling going on and it kind of felt like they had run out of ideas so potentially i just i just don't really see where we would take the show and i think you've summed that up perfectly and, and also one thing i think to note and we kind of pointed this out and especially some of the later episodes is would this show even fit and be acceptable uh in today's world you know i i don't i think it would have a lot of criticism based on some of the content and yeah i i mean i i just 
and this isn't me being sexist or whatever. I just don't think this show works with two females. It's like this show was about the two main men, you know. So, um, and like I think you that is a good way of sort of bringing it back. And we kind of said about the finale that in some aspects you kind of feel they've left it open ended, and it's not one of these shows with a complete finality that you don't understand how they could bring it back when you hear that hey they're bringing it back. So, yeah, there are definitely ways you can work around it. But also, like, Ryan Murphy is such a busy man now. I don't think he would, you know, if, if he's going to bring any show back, it's going to be Glee. Um, it, it's not going to be uh, Nip Tuck. Um, I found, actually, I Googled quickly when you said there was an article about it. Uh, there's a Reddit post from 2017, uh, which says, like, who should play the uh, female leads in a Nip Tuck remake? And basically the comments are, I don't want a remake, especially less than 10 years after the original. Makes no sense. You can't possibly get a better cast than what Ryan Murphy had in 2003. Underneath, Ryan Murphy wants to do it, apparently. Reboot or remake? I'd love to see the original cast 10 years on. McNamara and Troy are still in practice, but clearly past their prime. Uh, I think a reboot. Ending always makes me sad. They've been together so much together. Kimber, sob, still sad. Uh, so that's basically um, the Reddit conversation of Nip Tuck. So, and look, we would love to say that through the uh, listener base of this show, it has spurred a revival of Nip Tuck. You know, the uh, the viewership on Netflix has gone through. It's not even on bloody Netflix. I don't know if it's on any streaming service. So, anyway, we we've talked about that, but uh, who knows? We might be back one day to cover Nip Tuck again if they ever do reboot it. Episode wise, um. I went through, I ranked all these. I'm not going to go through all 100 in order. I am planning on doing a, I guess, a blog post and sort of going through all 100 and kind of just a few little blurbs about it. Um, and look, obviously we know you haven't really ranked them, but I'm sure you've got a few in your head that will stand out. I'll just quickly say, um, in terms of mine, I'll go through mine in a second, but just quickly, IMDb has the top 10. Actually, I'll just do the top five. We've kind of been here. We've got some other things to talk about. So the top five episodes, according to uh, IMDb user ratings, at least, uh, from five to one. So uh, Naomi Gaines, uh, season two episode, uh, then followed by Adele Coffin, uh, season one episode, Rose and Raven, Raisin, Rosenberg, uh, season two episode, Escobar Galado, season one episode, and Joan Rivers, season two finale, of course, as the number one. So all season two and season one episodes there, interestingly enough. Uh, TV.com, uh, has their top five rated episodes. Joan Rivers, once again, takes the number one spot. Adele Coffin, number two. Escobar Galado, number three. Granville Trap! What?! Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not even reading the rest of that list. That's terrible. <laughs> what the hell? Um, next I'll be saying Sal Perry's up there as well. Uh, and interestingly, both lists though have the same number one, which is Joan Rivers, and the same number 100, Connor McNamara 2026. I told you that episode is generally very much despised. But personally, I had, uh, my bottom five. Uh, obviously, 100, Sal Perry, not even redeemable in any quality of the line. Granville Trap I had as the second worst episode of all time. Uh, Alexa Stone, number two, the third worst. Abigail Sullivan, season six, both season six episodes, is the fourth worst. And Gene Shelley, uh, season five, episode 15, as the bottom five. And then my top five from fifth to first, 
Uh, number five was episode 15 of season four, Gala Galado. Number four, season four, episode 13, Aretha. Season three, uh, number three, season four, episode 11, Connor McNamara, 2026. I had as the third best episode of Nip Tuck. Julia McNamara, one of our most divisive ones between you and I at least. Uh, I had at number two, and I agreed with both TV.com and IMDb that Joan Rivers, the season two finale, is the greatest episode in the history of Nip Tuck. Uh, anything here, Lisa, just at the top of your head, Nick, your, your least favourite and your most favourite, any other standouts for you? Well, I think one of the ones that I really like, because I think it's hard, you, you kind of get into, um, you know, and understandably so when you start ranking episodes, is you get into moments. And um, I think that, we, you know, we've, we've had a, a different system for, for picking out good moments. So I was always really careful to not just immediately go, well, I like that episode because of that one moment. I always wanted to think about, you know, did I like the overall package we were getting for an episode? Um, and in light of that, I think probably one of my favorite episodes episodes is um the rose and raven rosenberg because i think the whole episode is really good it starts in the, the kind of aftermath of you know the, this reveal of who matt's real father is so i think that that's a really important part but then we kind of go through this whole thing of you know them kind of putting their skills to use in a and you know a, a, a good way um and then we kind of go the whole thing about you know there's this real big metaphor of you know basically they can't live apart they're connected um, and you know, I think it, it's a nice story the whole way through, and we also get some good moments, and um, you know, the whole moment with, the, with you know, then with the prostitute is you know is a really memorable one as well. So I think there's some some great moments within that that episode, but it's also just a really well structured episode in and of itself. Um, I can't argue with a lot of the ones you've you've got. Well, I can argue with some of them because I didn't like them, but I, you know, I think kind of like the, the like the, the the Joan Rivers one, I think is you know it's very hard to argue that any of the finales are actually not really. Good. I think they're all pretty good, um, you know. Except maybe the season, the season five finale is not great, but the mid-season finale of five is really good too. Um, so yeah, I think that there are there's some obvious ones that are, are always going to stand out. But um, I, I try not to just think about it as being moments, but also you know what's the overall story of the episode. And obviously, Sal Perry, the biggest heap of shit in the Nip Tuck family. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I, I just don't understand how anybody couldn't agree with that. that. You know, like, I think everybody's obviously got their opinions, and, you know, nobody's going to agree 100%, but how anybody can think that isn't just, you know, just the the, the steaming pile of crap that is the worst episode of Nip Tuck, and I'll never understand how people think Connor McNamara 2026 is the worst episode. It's, you know, it's you may have your issues with that episode, and you may not like it, but I think it all comes down to people taking it literally, like, oh, this isn't what happens in the end so you know i can't like this episode it's like well just let go of it because that's actually not what this is supposed to be about um you know i think i think it's a really kind of sweet episode and um you know and it's quite self-referential and you know it can laugh at itself and you know it's it's not meant to be too too serious so i think if 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 you hate it because of that then um i i would i encourage you to kind of reevaluate that and um and and look at the fun that is actually there in that episode the interesting thing i'm just looking here my top 10 has five season four episodes three season two episodes one season one episode and one season three episodes so no season five or six episodes crack my top 10 the highest season five episode i have is damien sands uh coming in at 13th which again is another one that's generally hated by the fans it's a reality tv episode um which i obviously really really enjoyed and my highest season six episode of course is all the way down to 43rd dan daly so 
Um, yeah, interesting. And Nick, again, ever, ever want to do that one day, rank all your episodes? I'd love to see your list. And just quickly, a final tally as well, I should mention, in terms of our buy it, rent it, and bin it. Um, so Nick, uh, I, I'm sure you're intrigued with this one because I did, I think, last week mention or a couple weeks ago say that you didn't quite crack the 50% buy it mark. Um, but you got 44, 44 buys. Um, so that was still your majority of your ratings were buys. Uh, you had 41 rents and 15 bins. I had 52 buys. 30 rents and 18 bins. So, uh, pretty interesting spread there. Yeah, I think I'm probably, um, you know, I didn't give a, I didn't give too many bins. I probably guess that I, I tend to stick in the middle until I see something that I really like or dislike, you know, so I, I try and kind of just hang in that middle space, um, and, um, you know, very, kind of vary out the side when I see something either good or, or bad. Indeed. Well, we're going to now close this up and basically go through um, our moments. So if for some reason you've just joined us for this episode and haven't wondered what we've done throughout our other episodes, at the end of every season, we did a recap, kind of just summarizing the season. And in that episode, we rated our top five moments of the season. And the plan was, of course, for all of those five, all of those 30 moments, to kind of be the nominees for what we then would have as our top moments in the history of the show. Now, initially we thought we'd do the top five moments again, but we thought, no, we may as well do the top ten. It's kind of a season wrap. Now, how Nick and I have done this, we've gotten all 30 moments and rated them from one to 30, and essentially the corresponding points with each one will then add up, and whichever has a higher score, that is the moment that will be in that order. So, for example, if I rated a moment the first, the best moment, that gets 30 points. If I rated it number two, it gets 29 points, and so on and so forth, down to number 30, which obviously will get one point. And, for example, if Nick and I both said the same moment was number one, we both gave it 30 points, it would end up with 60 points. That is going to be the number one moment overall, top 10. Now, Nick, you don't know these. Uh, I've done the math. I've got these. Now, I don't really want to go through all 30 moments here unless you think it's necessary, but... I can say that our top 10 does consist of moments from every season. So we've, uh, we've done well there. Even season six has snuck into the top 10. Um, and I can basically now go in order from 10 to one and give a few more stats at the end, but just a few that I'll, I'll, I'll maybe give the couple that got very close to making. So the ones that got 30 points or higher, I will say, but didn't make it. Um, so we had the threesome with Sean and Christian and the prostitute who looks like Julia got a total of 30 points. Uh, you had that, uh, a lot lower than I did. <laughs> um, Matt season set, sets himself on fire while cooking meth from season five. Uh, that ended up also with 30 points on 31 points from season one, episode 10, Adele Coffin was Sam, uh, Sam, apparently his new character. Sean reveals to Julia. He's had an affair following Megan's funeral. And 32 points from the finale, uh, we had Christian let Sean go in the office to pursue a new career. Uh, on 35 points on a tie, we had three moments. Season 6, episode 13, Kimber's suicide. James confronts Michelle and commits suicide in front of her from episode 14 of season 4. And the final one on 35 points was Connor's surgery scene and Sean flashback scene intertwined from episode 8, season 4, Connor McNamara. And the one that just misses out on the top 10, Sean confronts Escobar with a gun from season 13, season 1, episode 13, Escobar Galado. Any of those ones that narrowly miss out on the top 10 that you're disappointed about? Because I will say, 
uh, particularly here, the connoisseurdry scene, you had that a lot higher than I did. So maybe if I had ranked it a bit higher, it would have snuck in there. Yeah, I think that is a it's a really good scene, and uh, you know I'm always somebody that really enjoys um, those kind of um, deep. You know, we we get a bit of um, backstory to characters, and it kind of deepens who they are. You know, I've, I've always enjoyed that stuff, but um, I, I appreciate that not everybody does. So, um, you know, I'm, in terms of this, I, you know, I think we're we're winning regardless of what we come up with here because there's just so many good scenes. So um, I'm certainly not going to get too precious of, of something that I think is is really good as not in there I th- um yeah i think that that's it sounds like a pretty good list to me i th- think that that one with sean confronting escobar i think we may be playing on a little bit of um recency bias here a little bit because <laughs> you know, i think that was a really good scene but we may have just kind of forgotten just how good it was because it was so long ago well i i had that as i think if i give him my calculation the fifth best moment overall and you had that one uh, what, that, you had 10 points, so that's the other way around. Anyway, you had a lot lower than I did, so anyway, kind of bounces it out there. All right, ready for the top 10. From 10 down to number one, the 10 best moments of Nip Tuck, as voted by Nicholas Chester and Benjamin Waterworth. In number 10, with a total of 38 points, actually, these were, some of these were tied, but, uh, you know, we've kind of somehow managed one over the other. Unless we kind of maybe want to debate this and kind of put one over the other, if that's how you want to do it. At least in 10th, uh, on 38 points from Season 3, Episode 15, Quentin Costa, The Carver is Revealed, coming in at number 10. And at number 9, on the same amount of points, and again, maybe we can do this if we want to swap them around, uh, from Episode uh, 19 of Season 6, Hiro Yoshimura, Christian and Sean's final scene together, and Christian at the bar. Do, do we want to kind of see if we want to swap these around, or are we just happy with the order this has generated it in for me? It's actually funny because I think they're both. Um, we talked a little bit off air about you know moments that I kind of found to be, um, you know, not not hugely kind of um, big when you watch them, but they're kind of impactful scenes. They're important scenes to have in there as opposed to being really amazing scenes. Um, and I think there's a there's a real difference there. I'm always going to put up scenes that I think you know there's good dramatic tension or you know there's good character development or something like that. Those are the ones I'm always going to appreciate more. But I think those are actually both scenes that, and you know, like I, I don't love them, but I acknowledge that they're really, really important, that you need to have them in a list like this because they are, you know, they've kind of been built up to a lot and they're really important to people. So, um, yeah, I think that that kind of rings true to me that they should be very close to each other. Um, you know, to me, I would probably put, I would keep them in the order that they're in. I think that, um, the, the higher up you can get that final scene with Sean and Christian, the better, because um, even though I don't think it's a, a massively, you know, there's no incredible acting going on in that scene or anything like that. It is really important, and, you know, it's really nice to finish the show off on something that is, you know, like it's a good finish for the show, so I think it's important to have that one there. I will say that uh, both very much contrasting in terms of what we both ranked them. So, for example, the Carver reveal, you only gave 13 points, I gave it 25 points, and then Christian and Sean's final scene together, you gave that 23 points, I only gave it 15 points. So that's kind of the, the contrasting and how they got to 38. Our next one on 41 points in eighth place, standing alone here. So there's no, there's no need to, uh, debate where this one or if we need to, to swap this around or not. Uh, and that is from season four, episode 15, Galagalado, Escobar is killed and Sean, Christian and Liz dispose of the body. Um, I will say just quickly, uh, spoiler alert, 
Uh, this is the only season four moment. That was also the only season six moment and the only season three moment. So I said each season is represented in our top ten, but we've already now ticked off season three, six, and four. It's surprising <laughs> in some aspects that, you know, season four has been such a complete season. I think we kind of established it's very consistent and that's what draws it up very high. But, you know, the big moments necessarily don't stand out above the bigger moments from sort of the earlier seasons. But I'm, I'm satisfied that this, this made it. And I'm obviously very satisfied that at least we do get one season four moment making the top ten. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's a little bit of a cheap moment too because you actually do get um, you know there's a lot of callbacks to the um, the very first you know the pilot episode um, in this one you know because I think it is you, you get the whole thing of them doing the same thing to Escobar that they did to Silvio Perez in that very first episode so um, yeah you kind of you sneak kind of almost a bonus scene in here because there's so many callbacks to that first original scene so yeah no I really like that I think that um, that's really appropriate for this list so yeah i think that's a that's a uh we've done well there it's a good choice you gave it 21 points i gave it 23 points i should also mention too that these first four moments um have uh sorry these first three moments uh, i'll correct myself sorry you gave it uh, 19 i gave it 22 uh we're all the number one moment of their respective season so uh from season three, six, and four, all of them, their respective number one moment. Uh, so coming in, so six and seventh both ended up on 44 points. So again, this might be one that we want to, uh, debate, swap around. I will say in seventh, uh, coming in from season five, episode 15, Ronnie Chase, Colleen stabs Sean and the aftermath that follows it. And on equal points, 44 points. It's ended up in six though. Our first season two scene, from episode five, Joel Gideon, Julia reveals to Christian that uh, she is Matt's father. I've written here he is Matt's father, but it's meant to be she. So, uh, I mean, look, I personally think that they're probably in the correct order there. I don't personally wouldn't swap them around. Uh, both very similar placings on it. Uh, the the stabbing, you gave it 21 points. I gave it 23 points. You gave uh, Julia's reveal 25 points. I had a bit lower at 19. But, uh, you know, I, I'm satisfied that those two are in the correct order. Yeah, and I think, as I've said, I think that the um, that big reveal and end of who Matt's father is is actually really foundational to making this a good show. That um, you know, if you got that wrong, then we probably aren't talking about six episodes of the show. Um, and while I think that the the Colleen stuff is really good, um, you know, like it, it's not so impactful on the show. I think you know, and we talked about that a little bit. Is that you know, we then go into what is it like two episodes where Sean's in a wheelchair and then he's, you know, everything's kind of resolved and we're back to where we were. So, um, you know, it doesn't have long term implications, whereas I think the season two one obviously does. All right. So you're happy with those in those order then? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine by me. Yeah. Right. Number five. So our top five now. So if we weren't doing a top 10, these would be our top five in fifth place, standing alone on 52 points. Uh, you had this as your third best moment. I had this uh, sixth best moment. So you gave it 28 points. I gave it 24 points from season two, episode eight, Cara Fitzgerald. Christian confronts the priest and reveals his past to Sean. Yeah, I'm glad this one got in here because I think, you know, we talked a little bit earlier on about season one. You know, maybe some of the big moments there would be lost because it was so long ago that we talked about it. But this is, again, I, you know, I used the word foundational just before, but I think this is quite foundational to understanding who Christian is, that Christian um, is, you know, this, this guy who has a very dark past. And when things come up in his life that trigger that past, um, he kind of acts in very 
um, difficult and violent ways and, and this is the, the kind of first time we ever get that but what also makes the scene really good is the kind of the breakdown between him and, and Sean that we get you know kind of while they're watching this priest be arrested and they're sitting in the pews in the church and you know we, we kind of get that emotional moment from the two of them and they're there to support each other and you know I think it's a, it's a really great moment to kind of build their their partnership and their friendship as well. And I will just mention um, that from this point on they're either season two or season one episodes so uh we've we've ticked off all the other seasons um just going back the season 5 moment was the number one moment from that season and Julia reveals in revealing Christian that he's Matt's father uh that was the third best moment of season 2 and uh Christian's uh, confession here uh, about the priest and everything that was the second moment from season 1 and uh yeah so that's where we are so our top 4 uh, these two again, uh, both ended up on 54 points in third and fourth. I personally am satisfied with these two in its order. Um, the number four spot from season two, episode 16, the greatest episode of Nip Tuck, according to the majority of our judges, Joan Rivers. Christian and Ava sleep together and Ava is revealed to be a man. You gave it 26 points. I gave it 28 points. So I said this is the third best moment in the history of Nip Tuck. And from the pilot episode, uh, both of us giving it 27 points equally, the fourth best moment in the history of Nip Tuck. And I think kind of the reason this is the iconic nature of this scene, we talked about it obviously in the very first episode, uh, and that is Christian and Kimber the morning after their first night together and the lipstick that is involved sort of on Kimber's body as well. So, I mean, look, I personally am fine with those two being in the order they are. I'll just say with Christian and Ava, sort of that reveal there, I mean, we talked about the gravity of that twist in the fact that no one in hell saw that coming. Um, and just obviously what that means to the, the future of Matt and just so well done. And I, I will personally say that I'm very glad that a moment from the best episode has made it into the top 10. Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those moments in terms of kind of these big shocking reveals. I think it's the best one that the, that the show does, really. You know, I think it's way better than the Carver stuff. And, I, you know, to the point where I think they kind of try to emulate it. And, you know, I think season three, they kind of try this again with the whole um, Quentin doesn't have a penis moment. You know, I think is is really kind of a callback to this, that they kind of want to try and get that similar type of feel. And I don't think they ever kind of pull it off as well as they do um, in this moment. It, it really is the the moment where this is done well so yep that feels really really appropriate to me um and and yeah i think that other that other scene is is probably in terms of the most kind of you know if you want to show somebody one you know scene from nip tuck to to kind of give them an understanding of what the show's about you're probably going to show them that scene with christian and kimby you know because i think it kind of sets up so much of what this is all about um and i think the other really cool thing about it is that how many times do we kind of get that moment where the lipstick comes out and you know it's used to do the same thing it is such a common thing that the show goes back to over and over again um and so i think it's it's really important that the scene is in there because it is such a foundational one to what we get along the way um with these guys and with Chris, you know, especially with christian you know it's he does it to other women it's done to him at one point um you know i think that it, it is just one of those really really iconic moments that explains what the show's all about now before i get to the top two because i really don't think there's much of a surprise with our top two i just one thing i wanted to note here it was interesting with both of our bottom ones that we said and when we say bottom we still made the top 30 moments in the history of nip tuck but just in how we've ranked them that 
both our bottom choices, the other person sort of bumped it up enough with their actual vote. So my number, giving one point to moment, the 30th moment, which you probably be a bit surprised about this, but I think kind of in the context of these scenes and everything, I actually had the lowest moment as Christian makes Abby Mays wear a paper bag as he has sex with her. And not to take away from the fact that I fucking love that scene and kind of, you know, we talked about how memorable it was. You gave that one 14 points. And on the flip side, the scene that you gave one point to, Sean at Monica's house and the drug hallucination scene, uh, in season four, I gave 18 points. So I think that's kind of a, an interesting sort of thing. And the thing I actually, I read an article, it was like an Entertainment Weekly article of the top 25 most shocking scenes in television history. They actually included the scene with Christian having sex with Abby Mays. It's kind of a, you know, the, you know, this is on the list with, you know, Game of Thrones, the Red Wedding and things like that. So yeah, I mean, that obviously is where that stood out in television history, at least according to, I think it was Entertainment Weekly. Well, that's that's interesting that it was um, that it was seen as that influential that it would make on uh, make a list like that. That is that is really um, surprising to me. Yeah, yeah, no. Anyway, so our top two, and I will just say, and this will give it away for you, Nick, is that we both gave it exactly the same position. So your number two was my number two, and your number one was my number one. So in number two from Agatha Rip, an episode which I binned, by the way, uh, episode eight of season two. Uh, is Julia reveals to Sean that he isn't Matt's father, leading Sean's confrontation of Christian. And according to us, according to the Oz Network, the greatest and most best and most memorable and most heartbreaking and whatever you want to say episode, uh, moment in the history of Nip Tuck from episode 10 of season one, Adele Coffin, Megan's suicide. And look, I think you kind of summed it up in terms of before, in terms of, you know, most important prominent stories, you know, the whole reveal of Matt's father. Such a powerful scene, confronting scene, and again, you know, I've been the episode. Yes, okay, we've we've gone over why, but I, I did say at the time that this scene was very, you know, important, and clearly for this relationship with Sean and Christian, because you know we talked about this in the last few weeks about sort of their their relationship falling apart, but it still wasn't the worst their relationship's ever been. This is the worst their relationship has ever been on this show. Uh, and it's just done so well. The acting, the editing, sort of the, the POV cameras and just everything that happens is just absolutely incredible. And, you know, Sean vomiting when he's being told this by Julia. It's, it's very realistic. You believe everything. And speaking of realistic and everything, I mean, God, Megan Suicide, the fact that we had the number one moment from a character who was never even a major character of this show uh, speaks volumes to just how powerful the scene was. I said at the time that, you know, we, we just don't have suicide portrayed this way on television and how confronting and graphic this scene is um and yet you just can't help but ball your eyes out you know wild world uh not wild world sorry i'm, I'm thinking of the wrong scene um she looked clearly that impactful on me uh it was elton john wasn't it uh rocket man yeah. um just yeah. never the same again after seeing this scene and just wow that just what a scene so yeah i think this is a perfect top two obviously we've both agreed with each other so i think kind of that is a, a solid way to end this top 10 yeah i think so and i you know just to give my kind of take on those two i think yeah the that kind of um the scene between the two of them it is it is really important because it kind of just sets up kind of everything that follows on the show that kind of nothing's taboo between these two guys and um there'd been such a long build up to it as well you know obviously we had already had the, the scene where christian finds out that he's matt's father and matt finds out that christian's his father and it, it's kind of all leading to sean finding out and um the way it kind of happens is just it's really really well done it's kind of yeah it's kind of confronting and, and um difficult to watch and and just incredibly well acted by everybody you know it, it, it just it's one of those moments where you really need 
it to work and, and it, it works and then some. And you know, it is just that really cool moment of um, everything kind of coming together for a, a really big moment. Um, and I guess probably with our number one, I, I wonder if that will surprise a few people because um, it's probably not the most nip tuck you know scene of all time. You know, I think it. While I think it's obviously an amazing scene. Um, I think that there's potentially some stuff in it that, you know, people say, well, you know, like it, it's really not a, a, a depiction of what Nip Tuck is. And I would push back on that because I think probably what it is is um, it, it kind of shows that you can feel for these characters even when they're doing something they probably shouldn't be. You know, obviously Sean's in a situation where um, he shouldn't be doing this, you know, like he's, he's having an affair with somebody. And the fact that you have this kind of emotional reaction to this guy, um, you know, having to help his you know, his girlfriend who he's having an affair with, um, you know, commit suicide. Like that's that's heartbreaking. And the fact that you actually have an emotional reaction to it just kind of tells you how well the scene is is delivered. So um I think it's just it's a real testament to the acting ability of, of Dylan Walsh, um, but also the writers to to get us to a point where, you know, we we really feel for it. So yeah, I guess that's probably why I love that scene as much as I do. Um so yeah, I think it's um it, it's a really good scene and you know it's really funny that we've gone on this big long journey and we're actually talking about um a scene that we had way back in season one and so in a way i'm kind of really pleased about that it, it kind of shows that we have, have been keeping things in, in our mind the whole time and making sure we are um you, you know not just thinking about the last thing we saw completely agree and uh, just a, a few random things here i think it's interesting that of our top 10 uh three moments from season one three moments from season two and then uh, ultimately one moment from every other remaining season every single number one moment from each season made it into the top 10 but the interesting one here if you look at uh season one in particular so the christian and kimber the morning after scene that actually was our fifth moment from season one <laughs> that ended up being yeah. our third best moment in the history of this show and uh you know two moments ahead of it uh, on our initial list, uh, you know, Sean confronting Escobar with the gun and uh, the Sean reveals that Julie had an affair moment. Both didn't even make it. So interesting there. And just for those playing at home who want to know our bottom five, I guess, and again, let's not say these are five worst moments. Obviously, they've made the top 30 moments in the history of Nip Tuck. But uh, so from five, fifth worst, so basically 26 down to 30th, so 26 was uh, the dinner table scene from the finale, Hiroyosha Mura, um, followed by Matt runs away from his wedding with Ava from the uh, penultimate episode, season 18 of season 6. Then a season 2 scene actually did make the bottom three, uh, the dinner scene where Adrian reveals Matt and Ava are sleeping together from Naomi Gaines. That was episode 7, if I didn't mention that already. The second moment from the bottom uh, was the Raya Reynolds surgery scene from season four, season 3, episode 4. And the bottom moment out of all 30 moments we had was just Matt shaving his head uh, from Kiki, episode two, season three. Again, not to take away from those scenes. Obviously, they made our top fives. But, yeah, I mean, I think kind of, you know, we had to, there always has to be a winner and a loser, doesn't there? Yeah, I think so. And, and and some of them were just great moments that, you know, they were they were good in the moment. But when you kind of, you know, stack them up against other big moments in the show, they're not as impactful. But, you know, I mean, how many individual scenes were there in the show and, and all of these have kind of made a top 30 list so you know you, you you've got to like all of them for for what they bring um yeah i think it's um it's kind of interesting there that you're talking about the, that kimber 
scene, you know, with the with the lipstick from from the pilot. I think the reason why I think that that episode is uh, the, sorry that moment has suddenly kind of shot up is like I said, it's it's one that kind of gets referred back to over and over. So I think you know it, when you kind of watch it back, you start to realise how important that scene is. Where when we're sitting there at the end of season one, we maybe don't realise quite how important it's going to be in the context of the show. Indeed. Completely, completely agree. And I think I said, like, even if you just Google Nip Tuck, um, one of, one of the first things you actually comes up is a YouTube clip of, you know, Christian explains to Sean about, uh, to Kimber about the perfect 10 or whatever it is. So, you know, it's, it's literally one of the first things that you search for. So, um, yeah, there we go. That's our top 10. The top 10 is published on our website, theosnetwork.net. And, um, yeah, if you, I guess we, we, we might put the, uh, top, full top 30 up if we have enough, uh, requests for it. But, uh, yeah, we've kind of gone through that. Um, and as I said, sort of my top 100 rankings list, I'm planning on putting that up. That will be on my personal website, benwaterworth.com, but, uh, I might sort of link it onto our website. But, uh, that may be in the future. I mean, by the time of recording this, at least it hasn't been done, but at the time of releasing it might already be done. So just keep an eye on our social media page for that. Uh, Nick, this is it. They're done. This is, uh, this is finally coming to a close. Um, I guess before we talk about anything future in the way, is there any final words you want to say on Nip Tuck? This is your last chance until we get this rebooted, perhaps. Uh, anything else you want to say here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's been a really fun journey. I've enjoyed kind of going on this journey with you. And, um, yeah, I think we've, we've had a lot of fun. It's, um, I think it's something we'll look back on and, and, um, be pleased we did it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, Obviously, if, if you're a fan of the show and you've been kind of, you know, listening along with us, then I guess I would really recommend that you encourage other people to kind of go out and, and watch the show. And, you know, and they might have watched the first couple of episodes, uh, seasons and, and then dropped off. And, you know, I think it's, it's worth saying to them, hey, you know, go through and watch the show. It's really good. And um, I'm not saying that just because I, uh, I I want you to encourage them to listen to our podcast. So I think that, that would be great if you did. But I think it is it's really worth seeing, um, you know. It really is, you know, a show that is worth a binge. Um, it's not going to take you forever to get through it. Um, you know, it's not you know twenty seasons long or whatever. It's a, it's a manageable chunk, and um, definitely there's something that you should be recommending to to other people to, to check out. It does. It really, really holds up. Completely summarise it perfectly, I think, and uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I really do sincerely hope if you have listened to this, dear listener, and you've listened to every single one of these, you know, send us a note give us some final thoughts on this show or maybe you've discovered this at some point in history and you've you've listened along as you've rewatched it and uh yeah we definitely would love to kind of hear your thoughts and hope that uh if you are a, a long-term fan of this show and you you appreciate the fact that we've done this that you uh you know let us know your thoughts we kind of you know love to hear what you kind of think of this show along the way as well uh but again but i guess before we close it up in terms of just nick and myself in terms of a rewatch obviously this is one we've still got third watch and uh, lost going away uh, going on at the moment. Uh, I mean, short-term plans, there isn't really a case of like, hey, we've done with Nip Tuck, next week we're starting this. Uh, you know, at least short-term, we haven't really planned anything. It might be different, who knows? Obviously, there is a bit of a discrepancy in terms of when we watch these episodes, when we release it, bit of a time lapse, so... Who knows how plans have uh, emerged since Nick and I have ended this and this is aired. There could literally be something airing next week. I don't know. But at least at the time of recording this, there's no sort of short-term plans to start something else. Uh, you know, I think personally Nick and I are big Breaking Bad fans and that's kind of one that I think, you know, is a, is a very much a go-to 
one and one that we'd like to do. But I know, considering that I'm involved in all three of these bloody rewatches, uh, a bit of a break from one of these for a while is is a bit warranted as I obviously get certain things in my real life in order uh, to make a living. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I would gladly sit down with you, Nick, and, and rewatch another show with you, and perhaps that will be Breaking Bad next. Who knows? Yeah, and I think probably that's, um, you know, it's a good point that, you know, you and I kind of sit here and we talk about these things and then, you know, we kind of hang up the phone and then you go away and do all the hard work of, you know, editing these things and, you know, putting our intros and outros on and getting them uploaded and all that stuff, which takes time. So, you know, I think I hope our listeners really appreciate the work that you've kind of put into this. Um, and yeah, I think definitely taking a little bit of a break and, and kind of reevaluate. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's pretty inviting to go back and, and look at Breaking Bad because I think as I talked about to you, off air a little bit is that you know you have done done nip tuck and that's really cool um breaking bad's a show i haven't found a really solid kind of retrospective that goes through episode by episode because i think kind of like the big podcasting you know bubble kind of hit kind of halfway through um breaking bad's run so i think there's lots of podcasts that talk about the last couple of seasons and then kind of nothing so i think there's a really a good opportunity to maybe um do something again that that other people haven't really done and you kind of i guess you expect that there, there is this stuff out there for Breaking Bad, but you know, to my knowledge, there isn't a whole lot out there. I could definitely be wrong about that, but um, yeah, so I think there's an opportunity to maybe um, look at something uh, a little bit different there as well. So who knows? Well, watch this space. Uh, maybe we'll be asking you to uh, say our name soon and be the one <laughs> who knocks. We'll, you never know uh, and say the word bitch a lot. But um, Meantime, listen to Lost and uh, Third Watch. They're still going around strong at the moment too. Uh, we're still also doing other things outside of television and these shows as well. All our other episodes available uh, via theoznetwork.net. If you want to go back and listen to all of these episodes again, Nip Tuck, that's where you can find it. Just the drop-down menu at the top underneath TV. You'll see the word Nip Tuck and all articles, interviews and episodes related to this show will be there. Facebook, as I think I just mentioned, like us on there, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the regular channels, iTunes, leave us some feedback, Google Podcasts, you know where to find it. But, Nick, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate everything too that you've done along the way to, to join me with all these episodes and uh, kind of help out along the way as well. It's been a, a lot of fun, and we really hope that everybody involved who has listened has enjoyed this along the way. And also, I should mention a brief shout-out to to all the uh, the guests who have had on uh, to talk about Nip Tuck along the, the run as well. It has been a lot of fun, and uh, we appreciate their time as well. But... Thank you for joining us. My name is Ben, and although my co-host might enjoy it, I don't like recording with a heart on. And uh, my name's Nick, and uh, let your shortcomings and imperfections fuel you. When you stop striving for perfection, you might as well be dead. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.